Good morning, everyone. Wait, I said that wrong. It is a great morning. Welcome back to 10 Years War. And this episode, we're calling Scared, Scarred, and Stronger. I'm with the fabulous, the miraculous, the main character energy, undefeated speaker, Celestina Martinez. Welcome to the show. I'm going to give you a big round of applause here. Oh my gosh. Hello. Thank you. I was not expecting that. <laughs> Talk to us, Celestina. You are a student, yes. a nursing student, you are doing speaking and doing all these amazing things. Where are you in life right now? Help everyone just kind of catch up with where you are right now. Okay, well y'all can't see, but we're in these cocoon chairs and part of me just like, I'm just sinking into the little cocoon, falling back because it's a lot. It really is a lot. Um, yeah, I expected nursing to be hard, but I didn't think it was gonna be this hard. One of the things I think is cool is hearing you on this journey of, I wanted to do this, and then I saw something new, and I saw something new, and then I heard something, and someone told me, and I saw something new, and can you talk to us about finding your path, and how maybe it's not a straight line as people think it is? Yeah, um, I, well, originally I'm from Michigan. A lot of people kind of know that. I always talk about it, and one day my dad was like, we're moving to Texas, and I was like, Oh snap, I always wanted to come to Texas because I had family here, but I was like, wait a minute, this is where it changes. And I, my brother had a harder time with it than me. I was a little excited about the same time I was scared because I was leaving everything that I ever knew. And, but even when I was younger, I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm at Bemis Junior High and then I'm gonna go to Ford and what am I gonna do after that? I was like, I know I'm gonna go uh, junior high, high school, but I didn't see anything for myself there. And I thought that's just how it was going to be. And then when we came here, I went to Liao, represent Apaches. <laughs> and and then that's kind of when all the doors opened up for me. I saw the potential there that I never seen before. They were like, you should apply or you should try to get into STEM. And I was like, oh, okay. My, my cousin went there. And I was like, you know, I could go there. That's a good opportunity. And then once I got into STEM, everything like changed for me. That's when I saw my path. And that's when I met you. That's when I met my friends. I met my husband at my high school. So everything kind of grew from there. And I was like 13, not knowing where I was going to be after like high school. And now I'm here at UIW. Wow. That's, I think that's, that's a beautiful story of you didn't know what was going to happen. But you just went and you just, and something your dad brought you along, but yeah. you were open to the opportunities. And I think it's pretty interesting. We don't, I don't even know if we have the time to talk about the difference between you and your brother seeing the same opportunity differently. Mm -hmm. And I wonder who that's for, where you can take anyone, two different people, put them in the same opportunity and some people see problems and some people would see possibilities and I think that that's a really cool thing and I wouldn't have met you had you <laughs> had you not been had you not been open if you don't know now you know Celestina is one of our amazing students who has participated in victory you participated in one more day you were a part of uh, resolute yes and three shows in and hoping to do four and five and however many we can we can do for this journey would be really awesome Talk to me about your journey as a speaker. Okay, I know, actually, I know part I was of the one, it. I wanted to talk okay, about that. I'm, okay. Gonna, I'm gonna let okay. you have the mic. Okay, when we went into speech, I was so scared. I, I was like, oh my gosh, I suck at speaking. I could not, and when I went, 
I met Mr. Harris and I would, you know, do a little speech here and there and I was like, this man does not like me. This man doesn't like the way I speak. This man doesn't like the way I present myself. And I was so nervous. And I told my, my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, I was like, I don't think that he likes me. I don't think he sees the potential in me. And like a few weeks prior to when he was trying to find students for victory, I broke down and cried in one of his classes because we were doing the in, inflection and like trying to find our tone in this and that. And I, I lost it. I broke down. I ran out of the room, I started crying in the restroom. And I was like, dang it. And then when he wanted students for victory, I was like, okay, this is my time to prove myself. I'm gonna show him that I can do it. And we were in the we were in the Zoom meeting and he was like, okay, which of y'all wanna be speakers? And I was like, sir, I'll be a speaker. And I don't know if he expected that. I don't know if he saw that in me. And I was like, I'm gonna blow his mind. I'm gonna show him that I'm capable of doing it. And then once I did victory, I saw my potential. Like I saw that I was able to do this, something that I never thought I would do before. Because I never saw myself in public speaking. I don't think that's something people normally see themselves in. And, you know, once I did it, I just felt like, like that was where I was supposed to be. And then ever since then, I mean, I just got better and better. I got better in class. I was able to do more things. I was able to try more things and kind of put myself out there. And now I'm here doing like two other speeches. There you go. That's, all. that's really awesome. Talk to us about speakers who or not just speakers, because I mean, you speak now in different capacities. How do you use public speaking now as a student at UIW and a nursing student all this? Yeah, okay. Um, I'm vice president of Free Nursing Society, not Sprag. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I have to speak in front of all of our members and I, I'm, I'm there like conducting the meetings or when we do general meetings, um, I'm trying to like talk to them and all of that. But in classes, I also think it helps a lot because I'm able to present myself more and kind of just speak out when compared to somebody who probably didn't take public speaking. I don't think they're as comfortable doing that. And I also just got a position as an orientation leader. Let's go, let's go. <laughs> And that's going to be really helpful too with public speaking because I'm going to be with a large group of you know freshmen, incoming freshmen, and I have to direct them around, tell them what's going on. You know, if they ask me, you know, oh, how's your experience at UIW? I got to tell them how my experience was. If they have a question, I have to answer their question. I have to know about the university, kind of tell them about what's going on, and that takes a lot of skill to do. And confidence as well yeah, too. How has your confidence grown throughout the years and becoming Celestina? Ooh, okay. When, when I was younger, let's just say I was a little emo. Okay. <laughs> I was not, not very confident. Um, like, even just putting myself out there, very self, I just, I didn't know what I was doing in life. I didn't want to put myself out there. I was really embarrassed of myself. And I think everything changed when I did take public speaking because I was forced to do that. I was forced to put myself out there even though I didn't want to. And I've seen myself be, yeah, more confident, like, with whatever I do when, um, I mean, like, when I go to fundraising events, you know, before when I used to do that, like, in elementary school or whatever, I didn't want to get up and talk to the people. I was afraid, you know, I just would sit there and, like, have my dad do it or whatever. But now, I'm going up to people, I'm like, oh, oh, we're doing this, we're doing this, we would love to have you there. Oh, we're doing this, we're doing this, we'd love to have you there. And I think it's really nice just kind of, like, pushing myself, and I think it really helped me, you know, get myself out there. I even be more talkative because before I wasn't that talkative and now I'm like oh, <laughs> knowing that you have a voice that you have yeah. something we talked about this earlier I didn't get a chance to to talk but I want to bring it back and it comes full circle now you have this voice 
and you want to use your voice and your resources for women in health. Can you talk to us a little bit about that, about being helping this, this thing that you had for nursing for wanting to help women in healthcare? Yeah, uh, me growing up without, I don't want to say like without a mom because technically that's not true. Like my mom was there, but she wasn't always there. My parents were divorced and so I'd see her every other weekend. I also had my grandma there, but you can kind of never replace your mom mm -hmm. in that sense. Um, but I, I didn't really know myself. I didn't know my body. I didn't know my emotions. I didn't know how women were supposed to be because my only representation was my grandma, movies, and my older sister who I saw like not that often and I didn't really know what to do I didn't really fit in with anybody I had my brother and my dad there so I kind of was like grouped with them when I was in like sixth or seventh grade I would wear all boys clothes because that's what I thought I was supposed to do because my brother did that my dad did that and I remember my dad told me um, that my aunt was like why do you put her in boy clothes she's not supposed to wear boy clothes she's a girl and my dad was like, well, that's what she wants to do. I mean, that's just what she likes. And when I think about it, I'm like, that's just because I didn't have like a woman figure in my life. I didn't know what I was doing. All I had was my, was my dad. And my dad's great. You know, I love my dad, obviously. And I have a lot of influence in my life from my dad, but I'm not my dad. You know, I have my own identity. And I think that not having a mom was really hard to kind of find that identity and figure out like who I am and what I am. Mm. And I I want to give other girls the chance to find their identity and know about themselves. Like speaking strictly like with healthcare, you know, if I'm like trying to teach people about like their body and their birth control, how birth control works, why you need birth control, this and that, or like um, you know, how or like why you get a period or all of this stuff. You know, that's teaching them about their body, learning more about themselves. And I didn't get that. I mean, the only thing I learned about like period was from like a sixth grade little lecture. Um, but that's not my mom. I didn't have my mom telling me that. I didn't have my mom there. So when I got my first period, I was like, what am I even supposed to be doing? I didn't know. And I, I want to be that voice for people who don't know what's going on. And I also want to help them find themselves because once you understand yourself, whether it's like your emotions or like your just physical body, then you can continue to move forward and like figure out who you are, what you are. Mm, I love that. It's hard to know what you're supposed to do with your life if you don't even know who you are. Sure, yeah. That's that's powerful. I hope I hope you guys are taking notes right now. Celestine <laughs> is cooking. I hope you're taking notes because I mean that's that's a word for somebody that that you didn't have this mom figure, but you used what you could. You had your dad, but you kind of just had to find out on your own. But that didn't mean it wasn't worth finding out. Yeah. And you didn't sure. you didn't just give up and say, well, I guess I'm not supposed to know, but yeah. it's, it's out there. Because even now, sometimes there'll be things where I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do about that. Or like, oh, is this, is this normal? Is this not normal? And you know, maybe, I mean, I, you, normally I would like go to the doctor, talk to a friend, talk to my sister. But then there's other times where it's like, well, I should, I should know this. Like, mm. why don't I know this? Or I'm like, oh, you know, uh, like this is kind of embarrassing like my mom should have taught me this like I mean there's a there's just a lot and I mean it's difficult I mean I, I guess it is embarrassing like it, it's sad almost too because why don't I know this when I should I mean I'm almost like 19 and you know I don't know this or that about my body it's powerful to think that there are people that fill in the gap, fill in the void, where you're gonna do that for people in the future who didn't have that mom, who didn't have that grandmother, 
who did were in San Antonio who didn't have that Tia, who didn't have these people, <laughs> right? That you're gonna be able. That's a really cool feeling. Do you feel that that's a part of your purpose? It's because of how you started. It's it's kind of guided you towards wanting to do this. Yeah, because when I see other people or like if they have questions for me, I'm always like, oh yeah, you know, this is what I did. This was my experience. You know, you could try this. You could try that. And I just don't want people to go through the same thing that I did because, you know, as I said before, it's it's embarrassing. Like, it is kind of embarrassing. I mean, that shouldn't be like the sole focus of it, but it is embarrassing because you want to know about yourself and you want to know, you know, what's right and what's wrong. But yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I just don't want people growing up the same way that I did, not knowing anything right. and struggling. <laughs> now, speaking of identity and struggle, how has hardship and setbacks and pain been a part of your identity growing up <laughs> yeah we're gonna go with it let's go let's go there <laughs> oh how much time do we have um okay when i lived in michigan i lived in a trailer park with my dad my single dad and we were the poor people um pretty much and i wouldn't say we were like poor poor we weren't like dirt poor but we were struggling um, and I, at the time I didn't realize it because my dad didn't make it seem like we were poor. Mm. He would be like, oh, you know what? We're not going to get Subway today. We're going to make our own sandwiches. And me and my brother were like, okay, 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 own sandwiches, all right. He was like, <laughs> Subway at home. And we were like, I did that. And, but we didn't realize that, that it was, we don't have money. We got to eat at home. We got to go to the grocery store and eat at home. And it was sandwiches of all things, like yeah. <laughs> the cheap food. But or even my dad, he would be like, you know, I know you really like roast beef, but we might need to get ham. And I was like, well, I don't really like ham, but I guess. So it was like those little things. But I knew that we didn't have a lot of money. And even when we went to school, uh, there was this whole thing when we were in elementary school that people would make fun of people with Skechers. Mm. And I was a Skechers girl because okay. those were cheap. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, me and my brother would always come home and be like, Dad, I want Nikes, I want Nikes, I want Nikes because, you know, these kids are always making fun of our shoes. And my dad was like, well, we can't get Nikes, but you can go to you can go to Sears and get Reeboks. And we're like, okay, you know, Reeboks are better than Skechers. Right. Um, there's little things like that, you know, we didn't feel like we were meant to be there because we were around, you know, they weren't like rich people, but like, I don't, I don't know. We, we just knew that we weren't really on the same spectrum as them. And then the other added factor was that we were some of the only like Hispanic people in our community. Mm. I went to school with only like two other Hispanic kids, okay. um, not including my brother, and you know the, it was hard to fit in. Um, at least I guess like we, I, the way to put it is like I fit in with my looks, but with my heritage, not really. Okay. Because uh, I'm light complexed, so is my brother. And so when they saw our, our skin, they were like, okay, you're one of us. But then when we started talking about our heritage or they saw my dad, they're like, oh, you're not one of us. Oh, wow. And then it would just be like, okay, you're different. And people would kind of treat us a little differently. Okay. But, I mean... What are you gonna do growing up in like Michigan? I yeah. mean, <laughs> <laughs> what's crazy about that is how you go from in group to out group. Where if I just if I don't say anything, I'm I'm a part of the in group. But then if you dig a little deeper, now I'm part of the out group. But then what what changed? I'm still the same person. Yeah. And you talk you've talked about that before in different speeches, just about that this duality of I'm not enough here, but I'm too much there. Can you talk to our audience about how that was for you growing up, being too much, but not enough at the same time? Too much, but not enough. Well, 
in Michigan, you know, I, I fit in with my friends and all that there most of the time. Um, but then when I come to San Antonio in the summer, I didn't fit in with anybody because mm. I wasn't used to it. Uh, in Michigan, you know, we would just eat regular American food. You know, we my dad never taught us Spanish, so we would always speak English, and we would just do like typical northern things, <laughs> I guess. And then when we would, well, I mean, sometimes we would go to like Mexican restaurants, or there was this little part of Detroit called Mexican Town, and we would go to the bakery get like bun or like get the little Mexican cokes and stuff like that. But that was the only exposure that we had in Michigan. And then when we would come to San Antonio, it was like a whole new world. Mm. And it, I liked, I, we liked it obviously. I mean, like when you see a new culture, it's cool. But when you don't fit in, it's not cool. Mm. Because a lot of my family has always lived there or here like most of their life. And it, it's just different coming from two worlds. Or they would speak Spanish and we would be like, well, I don't know what you're telling me. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> Um, and it was hard, and then a lot of our cousins, too, they kind of, you know, they were all, like, together doing their own thing, and me and my brother were like, well, we don't live here. We don't know y'all. I mean, how are we supposed to talk to you? Y'all do this. We do this up there. Wow. And I, so a lot of my younger cousins who are close to my age, I'm not really close to them because I just didn't grow up with them and didn't grow up with the same things as them. Wow. And it is a little sad. I mean, yeah, I'm a little older than them, but they're not, like, too too young from like our age gap isn't that bad but I mean it's just different right it's just different like we just grew up different places and we not we don't think different things but mm, it's just we've seen different things right well that, that experience and yeah. culture can just be totally different as we're coming to a close here, thank you for your time. We are, if you can tell, there's lots of outside sounds and this vending machine is, oh my, is working my nerve. It was quiet and, was, and then I, I didn't even notice it until it, but but thank you for taking your time out. We're, we're recording here in the on, on the beautiful campus of UIW in the new engagement center, which was a billion, million, trillion dollars. It's, but it, it's, a, it's a beautiful campus here. What advice do you have for someone who is just just trying to find it, just trying to make it? They don't know what they're gonna do. They don't know who they're supposed to be. They don't know why they exist. What it, what kind of parting advice do you have? And I'll, I'll let you I'll let you take the last last words on that. Oh my gosh, oh that's a lot. Uh, find good people to surround yourself with. Get good advice from good people. Um, I would not be the same person that I am now if I didn't meet Mr. Harris. I owe a lot of credit to him, and I know he's always like, oh my gosh, don't be giving me credit. But it's true, like you need to find good people to surround yourself with and get advice with and find people who will help you get to the next level and advance. Because if you're always surrounding yourself with the same people who always put you back, always keep you in the same spot that you are, you're not gonna find yourself and you're not gonna progress in life. You mentioned there's, I guess we also talked about earlier, there's all these different paths you could have taken. And it makes me think about comparison, where who would Celestina be had she not moved? Who would Celestina be had, had this thing had not happened? Who would you be had you had a better relationship with your mom? Do you, how do you compare yourself? How do you, how do you deal with comparison, the good and the bad of that? right now I'm able to deal with it it's more trying to figure out how to deal with it I'm dealing with it I don't know the solution but I'm trying to figure it out 
because a lot of speaking events, uh, there's a lot of really good people. I mean, y'all y'all seen them. And when I go up there and I, you know, do my little practice round, and I'm like, okay, this was good. I was good. And then I go up there again and I see, or I don't go up there, I go back down and then somebody else goes up and they perform. I'm thinking in my head, man, I suck. <laughs> like, dang, like this person is so good. How am I even gonna compare to this person? What are they gonna like? What are they gonna say about them? What are they gonna say about me? Am I gonna be like on the same level of them? Is they gonna say that they're better than me? And I, it's real hard for me to deal with because I think everybody wants to be liked in a sense. I mean, I don't think anybody doesn't want to be liked, and. It's just hard, especially when you want to like advance in your career and keep progressing forward. I mean, if you hear people saying bad things about you, or you like hear, oh my gosh, this person was really, really good, but you were just like, okay, like yours was fine, then it doesn't make you feel good. Mm -hmm. It makes you kind of want to quit. And I've, I've not that I've considered quitting before, like especially speaking, but I've thought, well, what if I didn't do this? Like, what if I just let this person go ahead and do what they're doing? And what if I just stopped? Because I don't know if I'm cut out for this. Wow, that's bold. That's so. That's really bold. It makes me think of the time that we we were working on the notes for Resolute, and I said it, I said it needs more this, it needs more, just more power, more whatever whatever I even said, and then you taking those notes. And I didn't even get to see y'all. I didn't even get to see you perform so, at Resolute because I was I was back, but I heard it. I could just hear the cosmic solar cosmic. <laughs> radiation just I'm gonna say radiating but the radiation radiating I don't know but just exuding from you and just seeing you come back off the stage and say I did it I said yeah I heard it you did do it how do you what what's what switches even though you have these feelings of Comparison, and I know that we all have felt this way before. I think a lot of people listening to you right now can identify with. I wonder if I'm even good enough. I want to be like. I want. I want to be not necessarily celebrated, but I want to make an impact. Yeah, is this even working? Is yeah. this? Is this? Am I even doing the right thing? And you said you're still working on it, but how have you been able to make some progress? I just have to remember not to quit because I. I don't like to quit. I don't like to give up. There was a lot of times. And actually, you know, let's make it more recent. Right now, during nursing, I have had so many times within this semester and last semester where I've wanted to quit. I've wanted to drop a class. I, I literally went to my advisor and I was like, I do not think I can do Spanish. I do not think I could do Spanish too. I want to drop it. Please don't make me take it. And she was like, you have an A in the class right now. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but it's hard and I don't want to take it anymore. Like, I cannot handle this because I'm taking so many classes. I'm doing, you know, this with pre-nursing society. I'm doing this with healthcare heroes. And then I have to go do a speech over here. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much going on and I can't handle it. But I, I mean, if I didn't do that, if I did, let's just say I dropped it, then I'm going to be like, I dropped that class when I had an A. I could have finished that class because I was like my midterm grade in A. I would have passed. Wow. So, you know, I, I just have to remind myself that you can't quit because if you quit, then you're going to get set back and you don't know where you're going to go anymore. Yeah. And I, I don't like to quit because there was a lot of things in my life that I have quit before and then I think about it and I'm like, well, what if I would have stayed with it? Wow. I, like Color Guard, 
I I was in Color Guard like my sophomore year. I only did one full performance and then I quit because I had a lot of uh, like homework or whatever and I was like, yeah, I can't do this anymore and I quit. And I always think about it because I really did like it and I'm always like, well, I want to go back to Color Guard. I want to I wanna do this, you know, I want to, you know, get the flag again and go out there, but I can't because I'm not in high school anymore. And that's, that moment's passed. Yeah, like it's over, like I'm done. That's powerful. That's powerful. There's some things I think we think, we, as I'm hearing you, we think we can quit and pick back up, no, but then the moment's no. gone. There's no, to my knowledge, adult color guard. I mean, there's college color guard, but like, it's not the same. But now you're already on yeah. a new path anyway. Yeah, because, yeah, I'm doing nursing. Like, there's honestly, there's no time for that. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> no. And... I mean, and I did I did gymnastics like at this little studio, and then I I quit. I was like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. And now I'm in my room trying to do the same things that I used to do at that practice because I want to do it again. Oh wow! And can you can you do? Flip I can't. Flip? I don't really remember. But <laughs> I'm trying my best, but I'm like, I shouldn't have quit because what would have happened if I would have stuck with it? Yeah. What would have happened? I mean, that's that's the, that's the powerful yeah. thing about this. We have our next event as the motivation of the multiverse, and it makes me think about all these possibilities and timelines and branches of who you could have been. And, and I mean, I think you're right where you're supposed to be, which I think is something that we wrestle with. You are, but you it's also, are. It's crazy. But you, yeah, I mean, anything. Because I didn't think I was gonna be here. Like, if you asked me in like seventh grade, what do you think you're gonna do? Like when you graduate high school, I would have just looked at you and I've been like, I don't know, <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. Um, but yeah, now I'm I'm going. I'm gonna be applying to nursing school in the summer. And I think about it and I'm like, it's crazy. It's happening. It's crazy. This is happening. It's so insane. Something that did happen in your life that probably never thought you probably never would have imagined was you had this traumatic incident. I guess a couple incidences <laughs> where. <laughs> You just, you just were a victim of violence. Can you talk to us? I'll let, it's your story, I'll let you yeah. share it, but you can pick up wherever you want, but okay. this is a powerful story, I think, of when people look at you, they would never have no. imagined. No and I think, But I think it's a beautiful thing because you don't look like what you've been through, and too many people will look at their past and they feel a certain way, but it's we when we look at you, we don't see it. We don't know what you've been through. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, if y'all have seen Victory, you know a little bit about my situation. I was a victim of a drive-by shooting um, for our house uh, in the summer of like 2021, I think. We were sleeping, we heard gunshots, we woke up, we were like, whoa, that was kind of crazy, it sounded really close, and but we didn't think anything of it because it's normal when you live on the south side. You know, I'm not trying to like bash on the south side. You know, I lived there for five years, but you know, it's, it's normal. Uh, and you're like, okay, somebody shot their gun off. It's fine, let's go back to sleep. I go to work and I work my summer job. And my dad calls me when I'm at work. He's like, hey, when you come home, I need to show you something. I'm like, okay, that's kind of weird, dad. You don't want to like speak to me like that. And then I come home and he's like, look in your brother's room. And I'm looking. I see something, I think it's like a fat moth or something, and I'm like, I don't know why he's showing me this. And he's like, go closer. And I get closer, and I look at it, and I turn back at him, and I'm like, is that a bullet hole? And he's like, yeah, it's a bullet hole. 
and it was it was fat like it was huge like oh. it was not a little bullet where it was like no it was like fat like the wall was like sticking out at us wow. it was huge and then he goes to my room and he shows me in my room where it was at he shows me in the window of our living room where there was another one and he was like they shot at our house and I was like okay I don't know where this came from and you know called the police did all that but they were like yeah we can't do anything we didn't think anything of it because we we're like maybe it was an accident the people who used to live at our old house were a little sussy so we we're like maybe maybe it's just a misunderstanding or something and and then uh, we go to California for you know a vacation I come back I go to this UIW event and then I'm sleeping. It's the night before my anniversary with my then boyfriend. And they hit our house again. And I was asleep. I was asleep through the whole thing. And when I didn't wake up, they thought it was dead because I was asleep. And normally I would have been like running out of the room or something, or I would have fallen on the floor. And they were shaking me. They're like, wake up, wake up. And I was like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> and they were like, they shot at our house again. And we turned on the lights and you know, as I said in victory, bullet holes on the foot of my bed, bullet holes above the, you know, my head, and there was some, like, there was, like, some on the wall by my dresser, uh, there was some in my brother's room, some in the living room, and, I mean, we didn't know what to do, and that night, we left, and we never went back to the house, we never lived in there again, wow. we went there to, like, I don't know, like, get some stuff every now and then, my brother had his frogs there, so he would go feed him, but we never went back, because we didn't know what was going to happen, and, Y'all don't know this because I didn't talk about it in the speech, but they shot at our house like again, like two or three times after we had moved out. Mm. Um, but I mean, I have to think about that like all the time because I don't know who did it. We don't know who did it. We don't know if it was for us, if it was for somebody else. And I think that's the thing that scares me the most because now everywhere I go, I don't know if that person that, you know, who shot our house knows who I am or like knows that, you know, that I was that girl. And I don't know if they're targeting me or my family, or I don't know if they're targeting somebody else. Wow. So every time I walk out, I always have to think about, am I gonna die? Is that person here who shot me, or like shot our house gonna shoot me? Mm. That's, that's the scary thing is not knowing, but then I think the strong thing, we talk about today's episode was scared, scarred and stronger, is stronger is that you did keep moving forward. It has not slowed you down. Yeah. And another thing, most people might take this and live in fear and live in anxiety and live, and I think anxiety is okay. All these things play a part. I mean, everything, even physically, has a part, but I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine having to, to throw up every single day for the rest of my life. Like, that's just, that's a horrible feeling. Yeah, yeah. And But, I mean, sometimes you need to to void whatever, but living, it's like, where I'm going with that is, you didn't stay in anxiety. You didn't no, stay yeah. in doubt. You didn't stay in, even in unforgiveness and, and frustration, and you've, you've just moved on. How have you been able to do that? I, I honestly owe a lot to the speech. I think it was the speech that got me through, because that, I held everything in that I had from the shooting and all the trauma that I was going through in my life at that time, and I just poured it into the speech. Mm. I didn't tell anybody. I, like all of my family who went to the event didn't know that I was going to perform that. Wow. Yeah, they had no idea that I was going to talk about that. And I think in that moment I was able to finally just pour everything out, and it was just healing because I mean it, it was just out there. And I think I think what even helped me more was that it wasn't just me like writing in my diary or expressing my thoughts. It was me giving myself advice 
Okay. Telling myself how to move forward and rise. Right. And I think that's I think that's what made it easier to move on from because it wasn't just me, you know, expressing myself. It was me helping myself. That I cannot put a pin. <laughs> can I put a pin in that? I didn't even have any words to say after that. I, I love that. I love that. We are out of time. I'm going to let yeah, you have sorry. the... No, no, this is good. This is. We have to have a part two. I guess I need to plug first that we're going to be doing a brand new series on, on 10 Years War. I've never done it before. It's going to be called Undefeated Speaker Presents. And our first episode is going to be Undefeated Speaker Presents, Solacin Martinez. And I don't even know if you want to... Do you want to give just a little plug of what you're going to be talking about? Okay. A small plug, just a little, a little tiny. They have to come back and get the rest of it. You know, I'll give them the title. Okay. It's gonna be numbing numbers. Ooh. Okay. I'm, I'm not gonna give them anymore. I know. <laughs> I already know what it's about. I'm not gonna give them any. But there's some numbers that have numbed us, or yeah. we're numb to the numbers. Okay. I love it. Final advice. Final words. Slay. 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 Slay and girl boss. <laughs> okay, let's go. Let's go. No, yeah, slay. You heard it. Thank you to my guest, Celestina. Thank you, and thank you to UIW for having us here. This has been great. We will see you next Friday, only on 10 Years, years. War. Okay, I was going to see if you are going to say it. <laughs>